while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voice, Marcello Rolando, the host of the Reasonable Voices talk radio program, and we welcome you uh, as we welcome back one of our favorite guests, Dr. Guy McPherson, Ph.D. Dr. Guy McPherson is an author of at least 13 weather-related books and many, many articles on the subject and videos about climate change. He is a professor emeritus of conservation biology at the University of Arizona and a leading voice educating us about abrupt climate change. Dr. McPherson joins us today to remind us that nature bats last, meaning among other things we should be expecting abrupt climate change. Yet this isn't a gloom and doom program today. Since December 2016, Dr. McPherson has had a regular column for the weekly hubris in Greece. He is committed to compiling and presenting evidence without financial compensation, so that all of us learn how to passionately pursue a life of excellence. Welcome back, Guy McPherson, Ph.D. How are you? Thank you very much, Marcello. I'm doing great today. Fantastic. I know you've been doing a lot of traveling lately. How has that been? Well, time is short, and it's been great. I spent a few days in Tucson with my friend and eco-warrior Doug Peacock, mm-hmm. the, the the basis for the character George Washington Hayduke in Ed Abbey's 1975 book, The Monkey Ranch Gang, and also the sequel, Hayduke Lives, and now seen on bumper stickers all over the West yes. with, the, with the bumper sticker, Hayduke Lives. And then I went to a wedding of my partner's family in Oklahoma City. Or as I told people, I was going to a wedding in Oklahoma City. I have a bad sense of direction. I ended up in Tucson for a few days. <laughs> hey, it happens. Well, <laughs> I, I guess to go from welcomed pleasantries to getting updates. I know we've talked several times on radio, and I've I've been impressed since the very first time. But it, it seems like the world, without exaggerating, I hope, it seems like the world is catching up. 
uh, with publicizing at least things that you told me a few years ago. So perhaps we should begin with the United Nations revision, if you will, of its 2018 report on global warming and climate change that the UN did underestimate the timetable of global warming and climate change, which are two separate things. We'll talk about that a little later. But what did you think about this revision of the timetable and how should we react when the United Nations is issuing such a report? Well, they indicated in the report that we have until 2030 to fix runaway climate change or avoid runaway climate change. Uh, so they are finally catching up with the evidence. They still don't present or acknowledge any of the self-reinforcing feedback loops I've pointed out, of which there are more than five dozen. In addition, not long after the IPCC's report came out indicating 2030 as the new 2100, Uh shortly after that, that the... United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres delivered a speech at the United Nations headquarters and said we have until 2020 to avoid runaway climate change. Well, that's not long from now. Mm. And so the timeline does seem to be drawing ever closer to where we're at now. And obviously I have mixed feelings about this. You know, just like everybody else, I don't want to die and I don't want our species to go extinct, much less the some 200 species we're driving to extinction every day. It's gratifying to have the world catch up with the evidence I've been presenting for more than a decade. Yes. But, you know, this is not an outcome I welcome by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, and, and I'm not so attached to my ego that I would rather have us go extinct than have me be wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know you won't take this personally, but of course each time we've spoken, I've I've... I have secretly hoped that you're wrong, too, but I'm just not into denial. I'm glad you mentioned the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And, of course, it has said, as as you mentioned, the, the world is headed for a painful problem sooner than expected as emissions keep rising. I just wonder if we reduce, if we have a major reduction in the emissions that we produce, does it buy us any time to find a solution? I used to believe that was the case, and one of the reasons I moved to the homestead I created in southern rural New Mexico was to try to ward off the sixth mass extinction as a result of abrupt climate change. And so at that time, 2007, when I began that project, I adhered to the conventional notion that we were in the midst of gradual climate change. The world to my knowledge, had never heard of abrupt climate change. And then later we learn about the aerosol masking effect or global dimming, as it's usually called, Mm -hmm. which indicates that with as little as a 35% reduction in industrial activity, we could trigger a one degree global average temperature rise. So this has become known as the McPherson paradox. We're damned if we do and damned if we don't. If we reduce emissions, it might make things worse than if we just keep going with the omnicide that is industrial civilization. Mm, that is a paradox. Yeah, and, and it's a mess. And it's, you know, I one of the reasons I established that homestead was to try to avoid the situation that essentially nobody knew what was coming. It was 
December 2011 when James Hansen and colleagues published the first peer-reviewed journal article about the aerosol masking effect. And it was uh, a little over a year later that Levy and colleagues published their paper indicating that the situation is far more dire than even pointed out by Hansen and colleagues. Well, of course it is, because that's the way science works, very Mm -hmm. conservatively and constantly catching up with new evidence. So, you know, it's, it's gratifying that people are catching up finally with the evidence I've been presenting for a long time, but it's not something I want to see happen, obviously. And in fact, the latest literature indicates that we could, in fact produce a domino effect that annihilates all life on Earth. Mm. All life on Earth. Obviously, as, as a conservation biologist, I don't want that to happen. Mm. I'm, I'm saddened greatly with every, every species that goes extinct that I hear about. But here we are, and even in the absence of the world's 450 and change nuclear power facilities melting down catastrophically in an uncontrolled manner, even without that, as little as a five or six degree Celsius global average temperature rise could lead to co-extinctions that annihilate all life on Earth, according to a November 13th, 2018 paper in a scientific report. So the the news just keeps getting worse, and while I find it gratifying that the evidence is catching up to what I've been saying for more than a decade, I'm not happy about it for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. How do we find hope in all this? You know, I know we've talked about this before, but each time you're on the show, I, of course, I ask you back because there's another, uh, there's another uh, entity that, uh, as we're using the phrase, because it's true, catching up with what you've said for a decade, I want to get you to break it down for us a bit. Uh, and for that matter, before we get to hope, <laughs> how do you break down the assessment by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the the IPCC you keep mentioning. This was, I I believe, back in October 2018. And how do you make the connection between what they're talking about and the environment and human existence? I suppose that's all we've been talking about, really, but can you break it down for us a bit more? Sure. You know, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is among the most conservative scientific bodies probably in the history of our planet Mm. and certainly today they remain very conservative and that's based upon a couple of things one how they operate and two who contributes to their findings Mm. who contributes to their findings that's almost all academic scientists academia is by its very nature very conservative and then to make it even more conservative, the working groups operate by consensus. So if you have 15 or 20 people in a working group and all except one of them conclude that, for example, methane from the relatively shallow seafloor of the Arctic Ocean, the methane is being released from there, is a self-reinforcing feedback loop. But then one of the members says, no, it's not, then it's not included. They operate by consensus. So if 14 of 15 members of a working group conclude that we have an additional problem right over here and the 15th says, no, that's not a problem, then we don't have a problem. Adding insult to injury, after the scientific assessment is produced, then 
it goes to political bodies where it is further vetted and it's the reports are not released until they have been evaluated we'll say some might say censored mm. by political bodies so it's it's a maddening process and for the IPCC in their latest report now about six months old I guess or a little less to conclude that we have until 2030 to do something but while not pointing out what that do something is is simultaneously gratifying and maddening for me I can't imagine. I feel the same way, and I'm I'm certainly not as involved with it on a daily basis as you are. Speaking of which, are you continuing your research as well, uh, or have you have you reached a point where you you see the writing on the wall, and what's the point? I don't know. Is, is that a fair well, question? Yeah, that's a great question. Four times I have concluded that I'm done. I'm done now summarizing, synthesizing, organizing the evidence. I'm done with all that. Now I'm just going to be retired, like I said I was going to be back in May of 2009. It's time for me to just relax a little bit, spend time with the ones I love, spend time in wild nature, which I love. And I keep saying, I've said that four times now, and I keep coming back. I think I can't help myself. I think I was born a teacher and a scholar, and with additional information constantly coming out on the topic of abrupt climate change, I can't seem to stay away. It's like I'm driving past the, the classic car wreck on the interstate, and I just have to look that way and maybe even take a picture and share it on social media. It's a, it's a horrible affliction that I have. Hmm. Except that I, I think uh, your affliction, uh, as you say, educates us. And I and I still believe with all my heart the education is to realize whatever time there is left for humankind, we should all make the most uh, loving, excellent, happy contribution to friends, family, loved ones, and and everyone. That's what we should be doing with whatever time we're left. And I'm not saying not to. There are those who are, I'm sure, racing to find, uh, as they say, find a cure. I don't know that that's applicable, but I, I applaud that effort. But at the same time, I applaud being informed and then making humane and wise and loving choices. Am I getting too uh, too carried away? No, absolutely not. And so that's the balance I'm trying to strike. So I so I attended this uh, wedding of my partner's family in Oklahoma City, and it, you know it's difficult for me to shut up. Mm. And part of that, I suppose, is because I'm a Caucasian man of a certain age, and the culture tells us that we're the ones who should be yapping all the time. And part of it is because I have this what I view as an important message to share. But I did manage to spend two continuous days in the presence of people I hadn't ever been around before, none of whom I'd previously met, and I managed to keep my mouth shut, so I'm pretty proud of that, because I'm, I am trying to balance my message of we're in the midst of abrupt climate change, and what that means is our species will soon be extinct. I'm trying to balance that with 
passionately pursuing a life of excellence, including loving the ones around you. And a lot of those people don't want to hear. They don't, they don't want to know what's coming. And not only that, we're in the midst of a wedding, of a party for crying out loud. Mm. So, so that balance is, that's my life. Yes. And, and it's easy when people come to visit here because they know me. Mm-hmm. And so they make, the, they make the trek with friends just to hang out for a few days and have the conversation that so few people are willing to have. It's a different matter when I'm surrounded by people who don't know me and don't know the scholarship that I've been doing for years. And in those cases, I, I try to be, I try to tread very cautiously. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not like I want to hear the news either, but you know, it, it, I just refuse to be a person who denies the truth about anything. Um, I think truth is uh, as healing as uh, perhaps as we're going to get. <laughs> so, well, anyway, let's take a short break. We are talking again to one of my favorite guests, no doubt about it, Guy McPherson, Ph.D., who is who has a website and blog of, called Nature Bats Last. That's B-A-T-S, Nature Bats Last. And we're going to talk about that and, of course, more about abrupt climate change and, of course, the difference for whatever difference it makes at this point, to understand the difference between what is climate change and what is global warming and what we have to do with it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now singer Stoll Vaughn will take us out with what we all need, forgiveness. I got ghosts here in my way Yeah, they haunt me every day They got reasons and they got plans Take me out when they get their chance And I can tell you why they're here But that won't make them disappear I ain't saying I'll forget it All the wrongs will ever be right We're just talking about forgiveness How it gives you back your It gives you back your Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Program. My guest today is Guy McPherson, Ph.D., and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando. We have been talking, as Guy and I always talk about, um, both how to pursue, passionately pursue a life of excellence in whatever time we have left, but at the same time to be informed about what a human life and the uh, emissions, etc., have uh, carbon emissions have wrought upon all life on Earth. And 
There's no other way of saying it, I guess. What do you think, Guy? Is that sort of sum it up? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, Guy, I still have people who ask me, what is the difference between climate change and global warming, and should we care at this point? <laughs> well, I'm not sure we should care. A, a lot of the skeptics, we'll call them, about what's going on on, on a planetary basis try to say, look, they're changing the language. They used to call it global warming, and that was wrong, so now they're calling it climate change. Actually, it's, what we're referring to is overall planetary warming. Mm -hmm. So the planet is warming at a, an exponential rate at this point, and the issue here is what do we call that? Because not every place is warming, and certainly not every place is warming at the same rate. Mm -hmm. What's happening is that as a result of that overall increase in global average temperature, some places are getting colder. Some places are receiving more snow or more precipitation than they ever have before. Mm -hmm. And there is greater variability in temperatures almost everywhere than there used to be. The summer is getting longer, the winters are getting shorter, the spring is coming earlier, the fall is lasting longer. And so what do you call that? I think it's most fair and most appropriate to call it climate change because it is a, a phenomenon that is affecting various parts of the planet differently. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. But it's all a result of a global average increase in temperature. So it's a little muddling. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to come back to temperature because what is it, 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit? Am I getting that figure correct? That's about right. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're currently at least one and three quarters degrees Celsius over the 1750 baseline. Okay. Which comes out to, yeah, somewhere around two and three quarters or three degrees Fahrenheit above the 1750 baseline. And what is the 1750 baseline? The 1750 baseline refers to the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, and the global average temperature at that point was about 13 and a half degrees Celsius, just one and a half degrees above the global average temperature during an ice age. Ah, uh, okay. And what's important here is the global average temperature of the planet stabilized at 13 and a half degrees Celsius, about one and a half degrees above the ice age. It stabilized for long enough at that cool temperature to allow people to begin growing grains at a pretty large scale. And as a consequence, civilizations popped up all over the planet at pretty much the same time. Civilization, for the first time in human history, more than 300,000 years, a few thousand years ago, we had more than half a dozen groups of people growing grains at large enough scales that they could go into overshoot on at least a local or regional level. Hmm. The initial question I was going to ask you is about uh, deforestation. I, I understand that Br Brazil, as you say, different areas have uh, different uh, tempi in what's going on with our environment and global warming and climate change. And, but I understand that Brazil is one of, the, of several key countries where deforestation must be limited in order to stave off global warming. That's, that's the headline. We don't necessarily need to 
even talk about staving off global warming unless you want to. But, but <laughs> what? Yeah, what? What is? I mean, I know what deforestation is, but is the reversal of that of any help to us at this point? Probably not. Mm. And the Amazon has been a net contributor of carbon in the atmosphere instead of a carbon sink for a few years now. So the president of Brazil is attracting a lot of attention because he's pointing out that we're going to raise the forest, that we're going to cut the whole thing down just for a few bucks mm. as the end draws near. He doesn't mention the end is drawing near. And this is important from the perspective of the Amazon one being one of the lungs of the planet, yes. the coral reefs being the other lung. And so obviously this is important, and it's also too late, and that does not mean that I'm a fan of chopping down every last tree or destroying the coral reefs. I think justice matters, no matter how far along this path we are. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think we should be harvesting the old growth forests anywhere on the planet. I don't think we should be destroying the coral reefs. I don't think we should be doing a whole lot of things that civilization is causing us collectively to do. I, th I think it's absolutely horrible, but I also think that the story about the Brazilian president and his very forward speaking or, or uh, horrible out loud speaking, whatever you want to call that, mm -hmm. is kind of analogous to President Trump at this point. And these people are symptomatic of the civilization that we were all born into. We're, we're near the apex or the end or the nadir of that civilization. And these people are have become distractions in my mind. They distract us. They, they focus us on instead of the things that matter to us, mm -hmm. the people in our circle, the, the love that, that we share with the people and the non-human organisms in our own lives, we're being distracted by these news stories that are pointing out these horrible actions. Yes, they're horrible, mm -hmm. and, and we have our own individual lives. So here again, I think this is really a matter of balance or focus or trying to remain aware in the here and now of what matters to each of us and not getting distracted by what's going on with President Trump and the wall or Extinction Rebellion and whatever they're up to or the president of Brazil and cutting down every last tree on the planet. You know, these things are beyond our purview for the most part. Mm -hmm. Yes, justice matters and also love matters in our own personal individual lives. Yes. Uh, it's true, and it's not, and, and I don't think you and I, I don't believe we are uh, advocating selfishness, because, of course, Trump and, and the various leaders are, uh, do that and couch it in patriotism or religion or whatever, but I do think we are saying that it's time, it's time to love thy neighbor as thyself. How's that? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, you know, we are not, you and I are not promoting the idea that we should be cutting down the rainforest. Exactly. exactly. I think both of us are adamantly interested in treating the planet and our friends and our family with respect, mm -hmm. with love. Mm -hmm. You know, And so, 
it, it's it's such a such a tenuous line we walk with this message. You, you know, I've been thrown in the same category as the Koch brothers, and people say I'm funded by the Koch brothers because I'm giving people permission to do whatever they want. That's not the case at all. Mm. I'm as interested in justice as I ever was. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, people throw anything at at information they don't want to hear, and that's just always been the case I've, I've found. My grandmama used to say, however, to get back to a word you've used several times today, and that is balance. She would always say, next to the words I am, balance is the most important word in, in our language. And I had no idea what she meant when I was 14, and she told me that, but I certainly have found that to be the case throughout the rest of my life. I, I wonder, you know, speaking of balance, and of course, you were saying earlier about some areas get colder and others hot, and, and you know, enough for a congressman to bring a snowball into Congress and say, see, there's no global warming. Uh, you know, I'll never get over that. But uh, what are your thoughts about one day it's spring and the next day it's winter, the following day it's, you know, summer and then it's fall? I mean, these temperatures that are jumping all over the place. I have said uh, cavalierly, perhaps, to friends, there are no more seasons. So you need to get past that. Tell me, am I even close? You're you're right on. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the seasons that we knew growing up have largely dissipated. Mm. Let me give just one minor example. I spent about two and a half years living in Belize in Central America, and a few weeks before I left, I was talking with somebody who'd lived there his entire life Mm. and moved to the place where I was living in the Maya Mountains for 25 years. So from the time he was 10 years old, and he said, when we moved here 25 years ago, the rainy season was always 10 months long. It was reliably 10 months out of 12 months long. Hmm. And and for the last decade, it's been six months long. And by the time I left, it was two or three months long. This is a profound change in a relatively short period of time, 25 years. And and it's accelerating. The, the change went from a six-month rainy season to a two or three-month rainy season in the two and a half years I was there. Wow. That, when we talk about exponential change, that's what we're looking at. And and if, obviously it's an outcome of abrupt climate change, but if you're not paying attention, if you're not out there working outdoors every day, you would never even notice. Hmm. Because the change took place over a span of years, the seasons have changed profoundly. If you're not paying attention, if you're sitting in an office job all day, you would never notice. You know, speaking of office jobs or or any job, you know, with government shutdown, everyone's understandably focused on um, not getting a paycheck. But one way I know we can get the attention, at least of Americans, is uh, what are some of the hidden costs, financial costs of climate change? And uh, any of that you can share that make, you know, if we can't make people <laughs> passionately pursue a life of excellence for any other reason, Maybe if we can convince them that the financial costs are dire, they will come up with ways of uh, uh, being more positive contribution. I don't know. What do you think? Right. Right. Absolutely. And the financial 
impacts of climate change already are being felt. For example, the oceans are warming, the fisheries are declining, we've lost more than 90% of the large fish, probably closer to 99% within my lifetime, within Mm -hmm. the last 50 years. That has significant impacts for anybody who fishes for a living, at least ocean fishes. And the same thing is going on on land, obviously. So the ability to grow food on land is being profoundly reduced at exactly the time we are witnessing an increased number of people on planet Earth. Mm. Ooh, that sounds like a bad combination to me, and it certainly is. The You know... It used to be that people viewed these things separately and, and and perhaps even viewed financial matters, the industrial economy, as being counter to or unrelated to the environment writ large. Mm. But now it's pretty obvious as a result of the impact of global dimming or the aerosol masking effect and also because of the changes we're seeing today in the ability to grow crops, however you want to view that, from ocean crops such as kelp and fish to grains that we grow largely in the interior of the continents, those are all being impacted by climate change, and they will also impact climate change because of this this feedback between global dimming and global average temperature and, and the economy. So these things are intimately related, so we can't divide the world into the self-proclaimed conservatives and the self-proclaimed progressives and say these people are battling for an improved planet and these people are battling for an improved economy. These things are absolutely positively, inextricably related. I, You know, we could go on and on, and you know what? We're going to definitely talk again on Radio 2. This is not the last time. I always ask you to uh, give us some parting words, uh, but but and I want you to do that. But before that, I want people to know where they can go to your website and, and your blog and your videos, where they can get more information than perhaps we've had an opportunity to discuss today. So give us that first, if you don't mind. Sure. That's all at GuyMcPherson.com. That's my blog, which has been maintained for more than a decade now, GuyMcPherson.com. And when you when you type that into the URL, you'll come up with a Nature Bats Last. That's the name of it, is Nature Bats Last. And I bet, although I haven't done this recently, I bet if you put in Nature Bats Last at your favorite online search engine, you can get there in a click or two as well. Very good. Well, let's go out, Guy, as we usually do, with as much of a a positive outlook on we have the information and we have some time what shall we do with it we should passionately pursue a life of excellence we should love what we do and we should do what we do very well we should treat all of the people around us with respect and with dignity like we would want to be treated ourselves and we should extend that relationship from the human realm to the non-human realm Mm -hmm. non-human species matter too and the the faster we drive to extinction, the non-human species, the faster we drive ourselves to extinction. So pursue excellence, pursue love, live fully, live as if you don't have long left, because you don't.
Okay. Thank you so much, Guy McPherson, Ph.D., for being on the Reasonable Voices talk radio program again to make us aware that climate change is an abrupt event expected in our lives and maybe before 2030. Thank you so much, Guy. All the best to you. Thank you, Marcello. I very much appreciate the chat today. Absolutely. Bye now. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music, featuring vocal artist Julia Wade singing Beautiful from her new CD, Sunday Morning. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Yes, the Lord is greatly to Thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Great White Hope and Make America Great Again versus Great White Shark, Deep Blue and Female. The political promises of a presidential inauguration can reflect with malice toward none, with charity for all, or ask what you can do for your country, or with trickle-down camouflage, blind Americans to coming treason. Truth is, however, those like Cheney and Trump, who seek omnipotence through the potential power of the presidency, have raped of, by, and for the people, and left it profaned in the gutter, clinging to whatever shred of exceptionalism Franklin challenged we keep. So, should we desire to save both girls and boys from the razor burn of traditional masculinity, perhaps it's time to put away childish things and shake off the dust of bigoted men. Better we share the deep blue of America's female future than be repeatedly devoured by the marketing sharks of Madison Avenue, K Street, Wall Street, and social media herding people with blind faith in those for whom we are merely dollar signs. You see, it's not capitalism, but deal-no-deal deal wannabes, needing high walls to hide their lowest places in the heart. Let us now listen for the whispers of reason beckoning us to follow the path of probable truth to possible wisdom. 1. Both BuzzFeed's report and Mueller's rebut bear witness. 2. Russian spy Marina Butina seals together forever GOP and NRA money laundering. 
Three, men like Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, following Dick Cheney and G.W. Bush examples, will one day seek neither to be seen nor heard again, because of the courage of women marching from the streets to seats of power. Aware of the commonality of dishonest and twisted political twins, Boris Johnson, from across the pond, and an American president who would gladly drown America in the Volga River, seeming oblivious to the Trump family gaining the whole world, is not his isoprophet line. Let us eject the pretender. While the whole world is watching without subjugating itself to the whims of the self-serving, arrogant, love-it-or-leave-it residue of trumped conservatives, we, in alliance with Me Too, Never Again, and, yes, NATO, can resurrect the America that unites nations in a state of Parisian perceptions, Canadian courage, and European unity. This week, while continuing to focus all Americans on the value of all humanity, let's be particularly mindful that the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment is still kept at arm's length by the sexism of only two men in Virginia's House of Delegates, Kirk Cox and Mark Cole, who, like Mitch McConnell, can and do suffocate the power of legislative voting by keeping women in their man-made place. Remembering we've been settling for rhinestones since our 2017 inaugural America first infamy, I have a dream betrayal, and presidential treachery, cherish this. Since 21 January 2017, each women's march has proved America will never go away again. It was on a 100-degree bright sunny day in Times Square when I noticed a woman obviously using her choice of chapeau to hide her face while trying to get a cab. Sensing it would be a mistake to startle her, though I did, I nonetheless approached close enough to whisper, I'd be happy to get you a taxi, Miss Channing. Following a momentary start, she whispered back in that unforgettable voice, Oh, would you? Securing a yellow rolling air-conditioned miracle and helping her inside, she asked how she could possibly ever thank me. I answered, my mother is a huge fan, and would be thrilled to know that I kiss the hand of Carol Channing. Without missing a beat, she extended both, adding, here, kiss them both. Before our republic was Franklin's, if you can keep it, our immigrant ancestors were welcomed by first responding natives in thanksgiving. However, since collectively inspiring verdicts and letterers ugly American, we have made too many who don't look like Mike Pence and Dick Cheney physically suffer the vice of indigenous, racial, financial, sexist, and gender violation. So how do we restore our better angels? Celebrate the lives of Carol Channing and Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. by honoring the cultural descendants of Wounded Knee. Harriet Tubman, Japanese Americans imprisoned in internment camps during World War II, and, like Alice Paul, stand tall before the parade passes by, for dreamers, for women, and for all who believe the American dream, like justice, is for all of God's children, in order to keep America still going strong. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.
Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.